and welcome back to the Transient Bacon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Today, we have Dan Landucci, and he is the owner of Paddles Up Poke. Uh, Dan, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, um, I just full disclosure, I've never been to your restaurant. I know that's uh, something that I'm going to have to correct. Um can you give me a little bit of background, your background, and uh, why you decided to open up uh, Paddles Up Poke? Yeah, of course. So I grew up in uh, San Francisco and um, grew up deep sea fishing on the weekends and summer breaks with my uncle and his business partner, who was Hawaiian. And that was kind of when I was first introduced to poke. Um, we'd kind of fish up and down the coast. And when we were in Southern California, we'd... Uh, catch tuna and, and he would just dice it up right on the boat and we'd have it. And so that kind of was my first, uh, introduction to it at a young age and just grew up fishing and loving eating seafood. I was pescatarian for a lot of years and, and just have that passion for fishing and seafood and, um, uh, decided to, uh, create a business plan for paddles up. Um, so I'll kind of go into that a little bit. I, yeah my wife and I are high school sweethearts and we uh, both uh, got scholarships to Boise state. And, uh, so we moved here in 2009 to, to go to Boise state and, um, graduated in 2013. I'm a communications major and marketing major. And then I also have a, a minor in entrepreneurship. And one of my class projects was to build a business plan. And so, um, that business plan was paddles up. So I first kind of, built the plan for it in 2000 that would have been the 2013 year that was my senior project and um so built the business plan for that and uh but after college i i got into marketing and was working for a local law firm um was a marketing coordinator and marketing manager for holly troxel and uh, was just craving poke and walking around downtown and trying to find healthy eats and uh, at that time so this was been 2013 to 2016 is when I filed LLC, but there wasn't a lot of options for quick service in downtown Boise. I think the the main place for lunch was Bluebird, which is kind of now it's a uh, lemon trees in that space. But um, that was really it. And then you might maybe had Mongolian barbecue, um, but really there was nothing healthy that was quick um, and and something you could get back to work and not be put into a food coma. So a lot of times I was craving sushi or or something lean, uh, you know, you could get your salads from all the restaurants downtown, but they're all sit down. And, and if you got a 30 minute lunch, you're not going to want to go sit down at a place. So started, uh, dabbling and kind of talking to my wife, uh, about it and seeing if it was a good time. Um, we had just had our first child and, and then we were pregnant with our second and, uh, just kind of had our, had our house down payment saved up and was, talked to her one day. I wasn't happy with what I was doing. And my daughter was about to be born any day. And today, you know, I'm thinking about doing paddles up, um, which is our, also I'll, I'll go into that, but uh, what the name means, but, um, she, she gave me the green light. I said, I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I wanted to uh, do something that I'm passionate about and teach my kids to do that and chase their dreams. And, um, so we, we went full throttle filed LLC on August, uh, 11th 2016 and my daughter was born August 12th 2016 and just hit it running um opened the doors 
uh, at our downtown Boise location in May 2017. And then we just quickly expanded starting in 2020. We opened up our second at Boise State. And then um, July 2020, we opened our third in Nampa. And then uh, January 21, we opened our fourth in the Meridian at the Village. And our last one that we just opened up is our fifth in Caldwell. We did that in November 21. So we've opened up four in the last two years. Um, it's been an awesome experience. We've won Best of Boise six years in a row. Best in the Northwest by Via Travel Magazine. We're the official poke shop of the Broncos, uh, Idaho Steelheads. And we just try to really get involved in the community. That's something I'm real passionate about. Um, paddles up, the name is is to put your paddles up and attack your dreams. And that's kind of what I did. And, and so I, I, I try to encourage our employees and anyone that eats at Paddles Up to, to chase their dreams. And so it's kind of a whole package, right? We're more than just a restaurant. We're kind of like a, a lifestyle. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I, I you know, the past, I want to say, few decades in my opinion, uh, sushi has been become very popular, very popular. And I think it was a great transition in the past five, 10 years to poke um, because poke originally is just the fish cut up, if I'm not mistaken. But yes. then as the uh, Japanese um, settlers, uh, workers came over to the island um, after the uh, Chinese Exclusionary Act, um, they brought the rice and some of the other seasonings with them. So it's really kind of been a, uh, a conglomerate of all these different flavors. So it's easy for people to get excited about uh, poke. And, and that for me, it was the same journey. It was like, well, you know, hey, I know what sushi is. I love it. Let's just go ahead and do poke, which is a very kind of seamless transition for me from um, sashimi. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting for sure, because, uh, you know, there's there's two things I'd like to kind of talk about with that is, um, you know, sushi. Sushi is very it's, it, it used to be very minimal. Uh, it would be more nigiri style. And uh, and then they've kind of grown it. Right. And you see all these sushi rolls with all these toppings and different different ingredients involved. And I think that's why you've seen this, such a big growth in sushi because it's more than just fish and rice. And that can scare some people um, that aren't used to it or around it or landlocked like us um, that just don't understand the background of the fish and how um, it gets to places. Um, but one thing I always like to like, even teach our customers is just be, if you don't like sushi, doesn't mean you're not gonna like poke. Like my wife, uh, for example, doesn't like sushi because she doesn't like the taste of nori, um, which is a strong taste in sushi uh, because the fish, if it's fresh, shouldn't have much of a taste. It'll have a little taste, but it shouldn't be strong or overpowering the sauce. And the nori should definitely overpower the the, the taste of the fish. Um, so that's one thing where we, you don't have to get seaweed or nori uh which is just just for everyone knows the nori is the the wrap on the the sushi, which is the green you know seaweed wrap. Seaweed, right? And um, just also so people know, a nigiri is simply uh, a piece of fish on top of rice. Exactly. Yep. And so that can be intimidating. the 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 nori has a real strong flavor to it. If anyone's had just seaweed before, it's very strong. Um, so you can cut that out, and then you with a poke bowl you can see everything, you know, it's not wrapped in the roll where you're not really sure what you're eating a lot. Like when I was first introduced to sushi, I used to go to a place called, um, uh, what was it? 
it's like sushi boat. I think it was just called something like that, where the boats float around on a little on a little river yeah. table, and you all sit around it. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like a guessing game. There was no. It was really just. It was either two dollars, three dollars, or six dollars, and it was like one or two pieces, and you just kind of guessed what was in it. And most of the time, the inside was the same, and the outside had a little bit of different stuff. But that's kind of how I feel like a lot of sushi is, and that's why a lot of a lot of places, you know, do have like their main rolls that are hot hot sellers because some sometimes people just don't know what a lot of the Japanese ingredients are called and what they look like, even though they've probably had them before. They just a lot of places will call them different names. Um, where poke, you just it's just right there, right? It's right in front of you. You get to pick it. You get to take what, see exactly what's in it, what what you want. Um, and so it's nice, and it's it gets more people to kind of try it. At first, people are a little standoffish because it's like, oh, big chunks of fish. Um, you know that's scary. <laughs> but they come in and they see like, okay these it's that's not the whole bowl there's a lot going on in it there's a lot of flavor they're all pair well and that's and i think we'll talk more about that later but the way paddles up's menu was built was more for the non-fish eater Mm -hmm. um and i can tell you some of those those things that we did that and why i think it's made us so successful uh compared to traditional style poke or even poke competitors what what we're doing different what separates paddles up from really any other poke shop i've ever tried and that's my my uh my mom was almost going to have an intervention for me i think she thought i was addicted to to poke and and raw fish i was eating it so much but i am constantly trying new products new places um locally and not locally like i just spent 20 days in hawaii and all i ate there was poke like i had pretty much nothing else that sounds fantastic to me it was fantastic i lost like 15 pounds too because it's so like lean and healthy and um but being able to trial that and what what are we doing what can we do better what do you know me as a fish lover i love fish like but not everyone's like me and so it's nice my wife was totally not into sushi for the longest time now she crushes a pokeball every couple of days so it's <laughs> it's cool to see that but i get her feedback like hey you know you two years ago or five years ago what do you think about this like is what's intimidating about this and and then we kind of critique it and make it better and make it more user friendly for all eaters because that's our goal is how can we get everyone to come and try this um introduce it to them and and show because i can unless you're like super just disgusted by the idea of fish, which I know people, some people are, I have my brother-in-law, he, he, he can't even walk into a house if someone's cooking like salmon. Like, so he's not, he's probably not going to be one of my customers. (laughs) Um, But, but if any, if you're open to eating and you're not like a super, super picky eater, or just like I said, the idea of fish bother you, I can guarantee you if you eat a bogus, basin which is our top selling bowl there's no way you could say it doesn't taste good it's just it's that it's that good like and i i stand by that and that was kind of when when i first started paddles up i was like there's just no way this bogus basin i if if we don't get any customers i'll just stand on the street and just hand these out because these are so good that i guarantee they'll come back for it 
Yeah, for me, I think I'm very similar to you in that I just, I'm amazed by the flavor that you can get from fish. I remember doing um, yellowtail nigiris, and for our listeners, that is simply uh, tuna. Um, And it's a fatty type of tuna, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. And it was so delicious I, I kind of just sat back in my seat and I said, this, this is incredible. And why haven't I been eating this, uh, before? So it was an easy transition to the poke bowl. Um, and then I spent some time out in the Portland area suburbs and there was a place called Wajamaya. And I would go to Wajamaya almost every day to get a poke bowl. And the favorite of mine was just just rice, you know, just your white sushi rice and a scoop of spicy ahi tuna and a scoop of um, uh, futakaki uh, seasoned, whether that was the most perfect meal, I think. That would be my, uh, <laughs> that would be my, uh, if I was going on death row, that would be my last meal because it's just <laughs> yeah. so good. It's incredible. And you feel good when you eat it. You don't feel bloated. You don't feel tired. You feel like just fueled for the whole day. And, and I, I really feel like you could ride a, a poke bowl. You can eat it at 11 and be just satisfied all day. And, yeah. uh, and I, I, I do that regularly. I, I, you know, and I stand behind that. And, and what you said, we see that a lot. Well, we see like a first time customer and we, when you come into paddles up, we always ask you, Hey, is this, have you been in before? Cause we know it's a new, a newer concept for a lot of people. Um, and so when we give them the rundown of the menu and kind of give our recommendations, you'll see that person like over the course of the next month, 10 plus times, they just get hooked. It's just like, they crave it. Then they'll start getting into like their routine and, you know, coming once a week or whatever. But you always see that customer that comes in for the first time. You'll just see them sometimes, sometimes the next day. I've even seen them come the same day. Like they got it for lunch. So they come back for dinner for it, <laughs> grab one for their wife or whatever mm-hmm. husband. Um, but that's, that's what you, we see a ton is, and that's like the most rewarding part, right? It's getting someone turned on to this product that you're so passionate about and that you love. Uh, another story I like to use is we've been feeding the Boise state football players since we opened. And when we had first started, we would do about 85% chicken and then 15% poke. And it was like, we, these guys, some of these guys are from small towns, um, you know, not from money by any means. They're just, so, they don't even know, like a lot of them didn't even know you could eat raw fish. Like they were just blown away that like you could eat raw fish. Like they were just so blown away. And so we were 85% chicken. Five years later, it's the opposite now. It's 85% poke, 15% chicken. And most of them just get chicken as like an extra scoop, like they all getting poke and which has been really cool to see that transition. And how I did that was, Hey man, just try, let me just throw a cube on it. And they're like, no. And then there's, you know, maybe a couple like Islander, um, Pacific Islander people on the team. And they would be like, like one guy, Kekala, he's, he's my, he's my buddy. He's, uh, uh, just graduated from Boise state, but he would just stand by me. He's from Hawaii. And he'd be like, Oh, you got to try it, man. Don't be, don't be scared. Like, don't be a wuss, you know, and like get these guys to try it. And all of a sudden, every time we come back, yeah, I'll take a scoop of that. Yeah. I'll take, you know, two scoops of that. And the next thing you know, now it's all poke. So it's been super cool to see that. Um, 
and they've been a good practice or uh, sampling for us. Like anytime we bring a new item to the menu, we throw it to the the football team and during their catering because you got 150 people from all different backgrounds, all different diets, and they give you pretty good feedback. Yeah, um, and I like how you know it's like something they're familiar with chicken into the bowl and then eventually we kind of make small transitions if they're open to it and some people aren't going to be a fan and that's fine but i think if everyone just gives it a shot um they're gonna find just uh, the bonanza of flavor uh, that a poke bowl offers um so like we mentioned earlier, uh, poke began as uh, pieces of fish that uh, the fishermen would cut off um, in Ho- in Hawaii to make a, a quick snack. And um, you're talking about how Paddles Up Pokey um, not only can accommodate different tastes uh, if you're not excited about fish, um, but then also you have some of the... Uh, the true poke. In your opinion, what is like the quintessential... Um, poke bowl um probably so like our paddles up is supposed to be more of a traditional style poke bowl so it's it's less um items on like traditional poke they would just really just have that ahi tuna they would dice it up in pretty big chunks wasn't like formal chunks by any means because it was just like the extra pieces of the fish um and then i think soy sauce and maybe like maybe a little bit of green onion. Like those are kind of the things you see a lot in like traditional style. Um, so the paddles up has our traditional poke, which is like an ahi tuna marinated in sesame soy and has some green onions, onions in it and a little bit of nori cut up into it. And then we just, we pair it with, uh, our house sauce, which is, uh, our soy teriyaki, um, rice vinegar blend. And then, um, just some avocado and cucumbers. And that's about, that's pretty much that all that goes on that bowl. And so it's kind of like, that's what you see in Hawaii. Like every place I've gone to in Hawaii this last month and anytime I've ever been there and did market research, you're really just getting fish and rice. And even, and the rice isn't even guaranteed all the time. It's just like by poke by the pound, which we also offer. Um, What we kind of do, which is different than your traditional style is, we cut our chunks really small so you have more bites less fish bites and you could have more of like a mixed variety and you can mix mix your bites how you want them rather than some of the you know the traditional style big big chunks where you really can't fit you know too much in your mouth with that um so we cut ours about half the size of like a traditional style poke cube um People do like that traditional style, and you see a lot of that traditional style, like on sushi menus. But I think what we're doing, and what how poke's kind of turned into more of like a sushi bowl rather than a poke bowl, um, and I think that's why you've seen such a big takeoff with it and with sushi in general is having that more all those flavors to to kind of hit more um, customer base. Yeah. So you mentioned the football player saying, whoa, 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 I, I didn't know I could eat raw fish. Um, and that might scare a few people. How do you ensure food safety when dealing with raw fish? And then also, can you kind of talk about the, f- the fish, the raw fish uh, handling processes here in the United States and how they ensure that it's perfectly safe to eat? 
Yeah, so we use sushi grade tuna and salmon. So that's, some places have all kinds of different fish. That's one thing we've done differently is we tried to keep it limited to just people like tuna and salmon. Those are the most popular. Um, you can start adding all these other proteins in, but you're just you're when you do that, you're just increasing your chances of product going bad. Our goal is to move product fast. And so your our product isn't sitting long. So the oldest tuna or salmon you're going to get at Paddles Up is probably about eight hours prepped, um, if that. And that's that's the oldest. Um, and the reason for that is we don't have a lot of different proteins. You either get salmon or tuna. We do have like crab and shrimp and chicken, but our main poke options, is, our only poke options is salmon and tuna. And so we want to pump that out. Um, all of our, we also use one distributor and to limit any, inconsistencies and we work really closely with them for our fish um and we're such a large buyer for them we're able to we just built a really good relationship over the five years and we really trust them and they are constantly inspecting our product before they get it and then we inspect it when we get it from them um so there are two ways i think we've been able to dial in the consistency and knowing exactly where our fish is coming from um the other thing is we you know we're we're the, you want to keep your fish under 41 degrees. Uh, we have paddles up. We keep everything under 36 to keep it even fresher. And then we're taking temps every two hours to make sure that these temps are, are dialed in. We prep our fish um, one at a time. So one filet, we don't have the filets out in the open. We take one filet out of the fridge at a time, prep it, and then get it back in the fridge. So nothing's ever sitting at a temp, which is breaking down the textures or increasing chance of uh, bacteria. Um, and then, you, like I said, knowing who your distributors are, where they're getting their fish, how they're catching their fish. Um, is it line up with our sustainability practices? Is it, is it you know, reputable uh, companies? And so we've been able to really dial that in and then just keeping it fresh. Right. So we fly in our fish every day, we get a delivery. Um, and so anytime you get a paddles up bowl, you know, your fish is on day one. It's been temped every two hours. Um, we've served, we serve over 2,500 bowls a day company wide, and we've never had anyone get sick. I trust our product so much. My wife, when she was pregnant with our third eight, sushi and poke or pokeballs at our store throughout the whole pregnancy that's how much i trust our product so uh which isn't i don't you know consult your doctor with yeah, that, of course, yeah. but <laughs> that that's how you you know that i know exactly where our fish is what it's doing where it's at what temp i have uh my phone linked to all the refrigerators at all the stores so i can see the temperatures if there's any power outages or anything like it alerts my phone um and then just keeping that that distributor relationship. I think that's something we're really, we've been known for. And if you talk to any of our distributors, they're like, we love working with Paddles Up. I'm like golfing buddies and good friends with all our distributors now over the years because we've built those relationships where I hear them, they tell me stories of restaurants they serve, they serve like that are super rude to them and treat them like, like they're not their partners. You know, and that's it's just crazy to think that. So we've built these just some amazing relationships with the select local distributors, and we've kind of built uh, built what we have through them. Yeah, and you know what I thought was amazing is that 
when they catch the fish out in the ocean, they uh, generally flash freeze it. And I believe you have to flash freeze it in order to sell it in the United States. And, you know, your distributor is probably going to know a lot more about that than I do. But they take this stuff down to like negative 40. I mean, just beyond, (laughs) you know, so in a way it's pasteurized it right there. There's nothing in that fish. And then, um, I imagine at that point it'd probably take, I don't know, a while to bring it back up to where you could even, uh, work with the, the fish. Um, and in that, and then that window, you're probably transporting it. So I I was just really impressed by what they can do. I, you know, I was looking at, (laughs) this is kind of tangent, but I was looking at freezers. I was like, what kind of freezer would you have to have to go down to like negative 40 and they sell them right? Of course. But it's like $2,000 for a five uh, cubic foot freezer that'll do like negative 40, negative 50. I just thought that was super interesting. Yeah, it's it's a crazy, and they bag them uh, airtight, bag them like instantly, so you're you know they're safe. Uh, they're not getting touched. They're not getting contaminated in other ways. You know, just not not just by out of temp, but just contaminants and ha- people's hands and transportation. Um, it's pretty cool what they've done, and and that's kind of the thing with we we always get people that come in in our stores, and you know it's not it's not like they're we, you know, we don't, we're not mad at them for it, but it's, it's incorrect. Like we'll get a lot of people that say, Oh, I'm from California. So I know good poke or right. and it's like, you're hey. like my friend, the economy is global now. So exactly. It's like, everything's coming from, you know, it's not like these, we have airplanes. Su- yeah. Yeah. They're all coming on airplanes. <laughs> it's not like you're catching these giant sushi tuna off the right beach. in the San Francisco Bay. They don't <laughs> swim there. You know, right. it's all coming from the same places and they're coming to main ports like Seattle or LA and then distributed in. But it's just funny because it's like, okay, this person, you know, thinks that they're catching salmon and tuna right here in San Francisco Bay. And that's just not the case. So just, let's, let's teach them. Yeah, just smile uh, and nod. <laughs> yep. I'm like, we're closer to Seattle than San Francisco. So technically <laughs> our stuff's fresher. <laughs> um, but that, that's just, it's just, there's a lot of just wrong thinking and in, in, in this and just uneducated, not knowing. And, and I didn't know that stuff, you know, I kind of had that same mentality and, um, but that's not how it works anymore. It's a, you, you know, you can get, really fresh fish like we have fresh atlantic salmon every day that's never been frozen and and uh sushi grade and the lot of the other one that bothers me or doesn't bother me but it it's like they a lot of there's a lot of people that are like i only eat wild salmon and unless you're catching it yourself right yeah yeah and you can't eat wild salmon raw that's that's there's too many parasites and in it and so you would have to freeze the wild salmon for at like a negative 40 or like for 14 days and yeah. just to eat it raw, which at that point <laughs> wouldn't even taste good. It would be all broken down. Right. And so it's just, it's just little things like, Hey, this fish is bred to be eaten raw. It's safe. It's good for you. It's it's wild. salmon's also super lean. So it's not going to have that nice, beautiful buttery taste that you see on, um, salmon that you would eat for sushi or for poke it's uh it's it's made to be eaten raw um or bread to be eaten raw so 
You know, um, for people who haven't tried a poke bowl, I encourage you to go out and try one. But um, I was thinking about this the other day. There was a uh, cookbook that came out, and of course, I'm going to murder the name, and I don't remember who wrote it, but it was this really uh, cool lady, and she talked about the essence to making a good dish is really like, um, I think it was like, the the name of it's like acid, salt, uh, oh, uh, fat, yeah. Her what? name's Samin. It's uh, what is it? Salt, salt fire, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, salt, heat, fat, and I know I'm murdering this. Um, and like acid, and I was just kind of thinking, do you think that's why the the bowls are so good? Because like, how many of those do you have? I mean, you, you, with the wasabi, you've got the heat, right? You've got the fat in the tuna or in the uh, salmon, like you were talking about. Got the salt definitely in there. You've got sea salt or, you know, uh, but then then the acid that could be vinegar and exactly. So yeah. it's it's yeah, like the perfect. Of those and, um, yeah, that, and that's the that's the greatest thing, right, about a poke bowl is it's it's for everyone. It's every type of food mixed into one that all pairs well with each other um that's how we built our menu too is when i was touring po some poke shops is you'd have ingredients that didn't pair well together so like they might pair well with one bowl but if you got everything on the menu it wouldn't taste good all the if you got all the sauces all the ingredients where that paddles up you can literally go down the whole line get everything we have and they all complement each other and that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It's just, it has all those four elements um, to make a perfect bowl or a perfect meal. Yeah. And I don't want to tell people how to eat their poke bowls because there's no right or wrong way. But I think some of these places, and I've, I've been to them, um, where uh, you start out with your base components and then pretty soon you're adding stuff like pineapple chunks and you know you know hey i'm yeah. i'm not gonna judge that's not what i do here <laughs> but it's by the time you the bull gets to the end of the line it's so convoluted that i feel like you kind of miss the point but teach their own yeah. i suppose well and that's that's the beauty of it though right because some people like it simple and want more fish and just the taste of the fish but some people just want the the experience or, or, or like the fish, but not too much. And they want more crunchies to kind of, to make up for that texture. They don't like of the fish. And, and that's the cool thing about poke is you can do that. All right. You can, you can build whatever you want. My bowl, your bowl, whoever's bowl, it's all going to look different, but at the end of the line, we want you to, we want each person to like it the same and build their, their unique special bowl to their palate. Mm -hmm. Consumers have become increasingly concerned with sustainability. They love to know where their food comes from. And um, I think it's becoming more and more apparent how we need to be good stewards of the planet. Is there a way to enjoy seafood in a sustainable way? Yes. Um, not all places practice that. And we are continuing to get better and better. Um, we work with the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium to kind of, they check with our vendors and they give us a little certificate on all our vendors, but we use uh, sustainably caught tuna, um, which could be a very corrupt industry and an overfished industry. And um, some places will catch with nets and they'll, they'll catch turtles, dolphins, and they just pretty much just slaughter the animal. And it's like, 
um, it's terrible, right? And so we don't, all, all of our fish is, uh, all of our tuna is hand cut with, hand caught with J hooks. So they, and they can measure exactly the depth. Um, so how big the fish they're catching. So they're not catching, you know, too big or too small or whatever's not in season. And um, they're not catching turtles and, and other animals, uh, sea life. And um, so that's something that we're very big on. And our distributor is very focused on because anytime we switch our product, we have to send it over to Monterey Bay Aquarium for approval to keep that certificate. Um, and then uh, that's just something we're, we're proud of. We're comp, you know, even just environmentally conscious, um, making sure our bowls, we use compost bowls. We use for here bowls as much as possible, trying to limit waste, recycle. Um, Idaho hasn't been the biggest on recycling yet. And so we kind of have to take some extra initiatives to get to the, where we want to be, but, and just can keep practicing that keep getting better and finding new ways to get better um and find better product but our distributors know we're we're passionate about that and so they they make sure they bring in the right um product for that luckily we have a very set menu that we don't uh divvy from much and, and it's 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 dialed in so our we know what our product is we know who we're getting it from when it's coming in how it's coming in and we don't change that often and if we do change anything it's a very um dialed in process between us and the distributors and everyone involved apparently poke bowls are one of the most photographed items on uh, food items on the internet and i was just kind of wondering how many times have you been a witness to a poke bowl photo session and uh why do you think that is oh every day every day all day we have we're getting tagged in bowls um all day long i'm sharing put customer posts the reason for that is they're beautiful they're they uh they look i always say they look as good as they taste and not all food does that um but they're just so colorful vibrant um every bowl looks a little different um it's it's just a beautiful well photographed bowl it's our food and it's very photogenic it's got a pretty much every color in the rainbow and it's it's uh it makes you hungry i half the time i crave a poke bowl is just going on our instagram and looking at the bowls <laughs> that's great what's the toughest part about being in the restaurant industry uh being able to pivot and and adapt on the fly you never uh you never can just cruise through uh, a month or a day or a week. It's always just, it's something different. You have to make constant big decisions and that could be really hard uh, not being able to ever turn it off. Like I got paddles up in my business running through my mind at all times, the, the night, um, today, the morning, you know, and it's, it's, because there's so much things that are just going to pop up. And I, I'll, I'll show that to our, like, I remember training a manager one time and I'm like, Hey, we can have everything perfectly set up for the day, like everything. And we did that day. And there, there's like, you would think nothing could go wrong. And then our internet shuts off and we're, everything's run by the internet now. And so 
how do we make those adjustments? Right. And so it's like, you're just constantly doing stuff, thinking and how to get better. And that's how you stay relevant is not settling. Right. We're constantly trying to get better and we take, um, every review, every email, every ounce of criticism, we take it with like the highest regards. Like it doesn't, Oh, well, we got, you know, 500 good reviews, but this one's bad. If that person had a bad experience, we did something bad at that moment. Right. So constantly trying to get better that could, and that could just weigh on you as a restaurant or how do you do that? And it has weighed on me. It's not easy. Um, the other thing that's really challenging lately is cost of goods and keeping our product valuable. And how do we not make the customer feel like they're getting ripped off when in reality, we're, you know, people get mad when you raise your prices and it's like, I don't want to raise our prices. <laughs> you know, I, I, I liked our old prices, but we had to. And um, how do we inform the, the customers so they understand that and they, and they know, and luckily we, everyone you're seeing it everywhere right we didn't just raise our prices um oh everywhere you go everything's up like 10 20 percent and it feels like um you're at the store you're like okay this item is four dollars i'm okay with that you buy it next week you head to the store eight dollars and you're like what just happened it's so prolific and it's so quick yeah and we're seeing that and it's like there's only so much you could charge before you start losing customers. And I think, you know, we're already at a premium product, um, which is, a, it's, it's just a little bit more expensive or it should be more expensive than, you know, a sandwich or a piece of pizza, right? We're getting raw, lean, healthy fish, um, in the state of Idaho. Like it's not easy to do. Um, but at the same time, there's all, people are only going to pay so much for a meal and for, a, and we are more of a lunch spot. So that's even less of a budget than say a nice dinner spot, right? You're going to have more budget, more budget for that rather than what you pay for lunch. But I think everyone saw what was going on. We were kind of, we tried to hold out as long as we could before we had to, but just making those decisions and trying to, um, just trying to make the right decision that, is best for the business, but also best for the customer. We would never try to, you know, we, we hit our numbers, right? So I have a, a formula for everything. And if we're, if we raise our prices and we're under that formula, I'm going to drop our prices. I'm not here to, I'm, you know, I don't want to rip the customer off, but I also can't, you know, undersell, right? I have to, otherwise we're not going to be in business. So I, we try to make sure we're making those decisions. And so we track our numbers daily and we send out we you know we meet every week as the managers of all the stores and we go over okay these stores are hitting our numbers and you know how do we get to these these points and what are we doing are we over serving are we wasting are we you know under serving so it's like we're trying to figure that out all the time and stay on top of it and so that could be challenging for a business owner and, and someone starting a restaurant and then last but not least and this has always been a headache um it's also part some of the most rewarding part of the job uh it's definitely gotten harder but labor um and so some of the best moments of owning a restaurant has been the labor factor and some of the worst moments has been the labor factor but uh getting these employees and keeping them happy and and um 
you know, everyone's so different, right? Some people really just work based off what they make. Some people were looking for a good, healthy environment. And so how do we kind of get that whole package together and market ourselves to employees as well? Because that's, that's a big part of your business. The better your employees, the, the longer they're um, with the company, the better your products and the customer experience is going to be. Yeah. Well, just circling back on inflation, I just looked it up. According to the federal data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the wholesale cost of finfish and shellfish is up 18.8% from June of last year. So that's incredibly, uh, or an incredible increase, I would say. Oh, yeah. It's 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 insane. Our tuna, our tuna has gone up about $4 a pound, and we're doing about 2,500 pounds of tuna a week. So do the math on that that's it's quite a bit more for the same product uh for the same price bowl so that, that had to come somewhere you know yeah. and uh and then you're you're seeing it on all ends right you're seeing leases and rents going up and you know i was actually just on a call before this with a restaurant in downtown boise that kind of got forced out of their spot because the rent just went up too high and then you're seeing um labor you know, you have high school kids coming in demanding $20 an hour. And it's like, I made $7.25 in college. And I get it's more expensive now, but $20 an hour is a, is a lot of money when, you know, and so it's like, how do you, how do you make these calls and, and um, keep the, keep the bowls profitable and the business profitable, but keeping the staff happy and the customer happy without, breaking the you, you know either of their pockets well it sounds like you're killing it because you said you had you've been in business for what five years and you have five locations yes sir yeah that's i think anyone would consider that a success um what what does the future look like does that mean you continue to expand throughout the treasure valley are we headed to oregon are we headed to utah yeah so i would love to continue to grow it um i could see us having maybe two more spots in the treasure valley um we're very uh strict with where we put a paddles up and, and so i think our five locations currently are also the five highest foot traffic areas in the state um and so that's kind of what we're catering for because we don't want to just be like another restaurant in, a, in like a strip mall we want more to be like want to be involved in the community be involved in where people attend in those cities and so i could see us two more spots here at least but I definitely have a passion and interest of going outside of the state of Idaho. Um, I haven't fully defined that. I've looked into potentially franchising. Um, the downside with that is you, you know, you, you lose control of the brand and the love for the brand. I, no one's going to love paddles up. Like I love paddles up, you know, this is my baby. This is, this is my brand that I built this from the ground up. And so, do you know how do i do that without losing you know getting someone that that would would care about it as much as i care about and just live and breathe it and um i don't know if that's possible so and i and i wouldn't mind actually you know i think it'd be a really cool experience to actually get involved in more communities and kind of um uh just build the brand up so i but then it's also you know, and then I think, okay, well, but I'm in Idaho, right? And do I want to not, um, do I want to not be local in another state? Cause I'm very big. I only eat at local restaurants. And so it's kind of like, 
like a moral or like a you know uh, something I'm truly stand behind. So the other thing I thought about is potentially doing another brand, um, not another Poke brand, but just another concept and um, kind of just can and stay local in the Treasure Valley. So I'm I'm still thinking about it. We were supposed to open another one this year. And uh, we pulled out of that just so I could think and spend some time with my family. And it's this last five years has just been all work, pedal to the metal. Um, I have three kids. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And so I just really wanted to just spend a little bit more time with them and think and see where I want to be. And they're all kind of starting school now. And um, and I, we went to Hawaii last, last, uh, or last week we were, we were gone and it was just such a good time to spend with them and shut everything off. And I have such an amazing team of managers and leadership and they just ran the company so smooth and I didn't even have to come back. It would have, I could have stayed another month. <laughs> um, so that was, Next cool. time. That was, it was the first time I've left paddles up, uh, ever for more. I think the longest I've had left them before was four days and, um, so it was the first time I left them for like a real vacation and wasn't working. Didn't, they didn't bought, you know, they didn't have to reach out to me at all, which was just great. It was a cool experience. And to see that they not only could run it without me, but thrive and did a lot of cool things while I was gone and held events. It, it was awesome to see. So got a really good supporting cast. Um, but yeah, I think paddles up definitely going to grow. Um, but we'll see how I think, uh, I think the next, next couple months we'll we'll start to define that a little bit better but i see it my goal has always been 50 stores so let's see if that's still the goal by the end of the month but that's that's where i'm heading right now well i like how you said you support local businesses and you try and eat local and buy local um are you able to source any of the ingredients in the poke bowls uh in idaho or or locally um, so we use all local distributors. We are able to get some of our produce locally, which Charlie's Produce uh, does that when they can. It's seasonal. Um, but we do have a lot of local partners where we can sell their product. And um, we're some of the largest uh, buyers of those products. So we buy the Still Ice Cream, which is an amazing local ice cream store that kind of opened shortly after we did. And we've... Uh, grown together and so we sell their ice cream and little uh, to-go containers at all our stores and sell quite a bit of those we we've partnered up with sweet valley cookie co and so we sell their brookies and cookies um all or not all but almost all of our beers um our local beers and we only sell proud source water which is the local um water company uh who are awesome local bottled at the source water um, so we try to do stuff like that with them and then also just, uh, helping market partner up with people, um, that are local. Um, we do a lot of collaborations with like lemon tree and some of those local, uh, restaurants that are close by to us and our neighbors. And, um, so we do, yeah, as much as we can with that, but yeah, our product's pretty unique. It's hard to get some, or most of our stuff, uh, in our bowls locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to buy uh what ahi tuna locally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we talked, uh, we've covered quite a bit of information about poke bowls. Any other misconceptions that you've encountered in your time in, in the industry and 
Yeah, I think um, just understanding the product, like, and understanding that it's okay. Wh- why would you eat a Poke Bowl besides the taste, right? It's super experience. It's got everything. Um, understanding also, you know, people that have celiac or or any you know, if they're paleo or they're vegan or vegetarian, we have like an option for everyone. So like, if you're going to go out to lunch with your friend, but she's vegetarian, there's not a better restaurant in Idaho that's for vegetarians. We can do anything vegetarian, you know? So we have all that, make it easy. It's not like you have to like have a uh, special menu or anything for any of these dietary needs. And then just understanding like, that just because we're landlocked, I, I you don't know how many times I've heard like people won't even try us because we're landlocked is what they they think, but that has nothing to do with the product, right? We're there's airplanes and stuff where we can get it in fresh, as fresh as anyone on the coast can get it. Um, and to I don't I don't know if you've heard this, but Vegas, Las Vegas has one of the best in the country. It's ranked the top um sushi destination las so vegas like las vegas yeah huh. no it's i hadn't like, heard that you would you have or you haven't i have not no yeah i i had started to hear it a few times since i've opened paddles up and so i looked, did some research and because i was just like vegas why would vegas and it's yeah it's some some of the highest rated sushi restaurants in the whole country are in vegas and so it's not it, because they have the access to the same product as New York and, you know, I mean, San Francisco, those, these, these types of fish that you're eating raw aren't coming from those waters. Um, you know, so it's, it's, we have that same access a, a flight. The Boise is not any longer than a flight to LA, you know, it's, yeah, it's it going to get here. Pretty, um, yeah, well, close. when I was out in New York last time, I I had to go do one of these ultra pricey sushi places. I'm sure you're familiar. Um, yeah. Oh, like a nigiri, which is just like two pieces, was like fifty dollars. Just yeah, super expensive. Delicious. I'm not not dogging on it, but uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I'll do that again. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. You can't, and that's even with, that's the other thing, um, just talking about sushi versus poke, um, especially in Idaho. And, and, and I love some of the local sushi restaurants like Yoitomo, I'll, I'll eat there quite a bit. But I know where they're getting their fish, how much they're paying for it, what they're using, how they're prepping it. I know all that because I'm in the industry. Our product, and this isn't, Yotomo uses great product too, but take Yotomo out of this conversation. Other sushi restaurants, they're charging 20, 30 bucks for a roll or probably not 30, but 20, 25 bucks for a roll. You're getting maybe an ounce to two ounces of fish uh, at most. And you're, you're paying that much. Like we have the best fish in Idaho. Um, and, And I'm not just saying that I know because I, I know what the competitors are buying and who they're getting it from, but it's cheaper. Our bowls are 15 on average, 15 bucks. You're getting four ounces of fish plus everything on our menu. We don't have limits. Like you can get every topping if you want. We don't, you know, a lot of pokey places are like, you can only get two sauces. You can only get four toppings. And by the end, 
by the end your bowl you know you think your bowl's 12 bucks but you end it get to the end and it's 20 bucks like ours is just one set price it's simple um it's built for you it's built to all pair well together so don't you know we hear that a lot like oh i don't want to pay 15 dollars for a rice bowl and it's like hey i'll sell you a bowl of rice for two bucks <laughs> that's not the expensive part but it's not a rice bowl it's a really fresh ingredient bowl put together built by you and for you um but 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 with sushi no one ever bats an eye you know and that's kind of something i want them to start thinking is like not and not all pokey places are equal by any means but our fish uh at paddles up and you can call the distributors there's only two of them in the state uh our fish is the best in the state so if you're going to pay 15 bucks for a poke bowl or and 20 bucks for a sushi roll, I would probably go with the poke bowl because you're going to get a lot more for a lot less. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, I haven't had lunch yet. Um, what uh, what should I uh, if I'm going to go to your restaurant? What should I order off the menu? We always push the bogus basin. It's it's hard to beat. We've had customers that have been eating there since uh, we've opened and they've only tried the bogus basin. Um, it's got a salmon, tuna, crab in it. So it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, it's got our avocado, ginger, cucumber. It's got our house piranha sauce, um, unagi, which is like a soy sauce reduction. So it's a nice sweet sauce that goes over the top with some spicy aioli over the top, um, which is like a sriracha mayo. Um, that's It's got a unique flavor, um, one of a kind. It's it's our most popular bowl at all our stores. We out of all our sales, it's about 60% of them are bogus basins. Um, it's hard to beat, but it's got a lot going on. If you want more of a, a simpler, easy, light light bowl, the paddles up. was what, And I was talking about that earlier. It's like a traditional, very limited on the ingredients, but a lot of flavor, more of that fish flavor. You know, you got that nice ahi tuna marinated traditionally. Um, so those are like our two two options uh if you like spicy we have a secret menu item it's called the bogus uh spicy bogus basin and what we do is we we uh combine our bogus and our fiesta bowl which is like a spicy tuna bowl we combine those two and um that one's pretty good too but all of our bowls got really cool names that are reflected like we have a bowl called the california invasion which uh <laughs> I think do, know, do I people boo that. that one when they see it on the menu or <laughs> uh everyone laughs we have like an eagle road rage um everyone hates eagle road right and so but they they all have like a unique name but like the california invasion which is is uh based off the most like the most popular sushi roll which is the california roll that's so, right so we have kind of our bowls are based off stuff uh, that are popular in sushi rolls but then we put our own little twists on them. But bogus basin all the way. If you like cooked stuff, the Lucky Peak's really good. It's got our tequila lime smoked shrimp that we cook daily right in our Traeger right out front. You'll see us smoking stuff out front. Um, it's got some crab and then it's got a bunch of veggies uh, with our house teriyaki. All of our houses are made in, um, in-house and uh, we, we fly in our um, or probably ship in our soy sauce from Hawaii. And it's a gluten-free soy sauce and actual shoyu. So it's a fermented 
soy sauce, not like a Kikoman, which is really salty. Our, our soy sauce is very sweet and um, got a lot of flavor to it. And it's, um, and it's gluten-free, which is awesome because that's another downside to people that are trying to go gluten-free is most sushi restaurants are using just regular soy sauce, which contains gluten. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the program and taking your time today and sharing with us your expertise when it comes to poke bowls and letting us learn a little bit about your business. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and thank you so much. I, I, uh, it's a great experience and yeah, shop and support local for sure. Absolutely. Take care. Yeah, thank you.